far are you going? About 30 years. In this week's episode, there's no time like this time for our review of No Time to Die. trying to talk to you but i couldn't hear anything or couldn't tell if you were hearing me well i i set the headset down for like a second because i wasn't sure when you're going to get on and then you sure, sure oh okay me. so no we're, we're on now and it's recording and this makes it awkward as usual every intro to every podcast episode <gasps> so yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right so you finally saw the new james bond film without painting yes, anything for it <laughs> courtesy of dad uh, I I don't know. <laughs> help me with that. Yeah, it seemed like you could use the file to download, right? No, I yeah. So the Google Drive was like it had a limit on how many downloads it could have per day. So I just waited till the next day to download it. But I mean, I I skimmed through the film like at work, and I mean, I still retain most of what I remember from that film. So it's all good. Okay. Yeah, it gave me that message for some features, but um, like if I was going to try to play it using the like built-in Google Drive player, that was not going to work. Um, which Weird. sometimes I've done, like uh, with one of Vita's tapes, that one with the Kenshin episode from SVS. I just watched it with the built-in Google Drive player, which yeah. is sort of similar to YouTube. But um, yeah, this one it it was like too many people have watched it today or something. But then I clicked download and it let me. And then you tried to like an hour or two later and it didn't work or something. So apparently too many people hit the download button after the streaming button stopped working. And it must have been like a lot of people that found this file wherever Daft gets these files from. Since that other site that he used to use is is gone. Stop it or whatever it was called. Gotcha. 
Uh, I was, I'm just responding to a forum post real quick. So there was a guy giving commentary on a, well, it's actually Dave Merrill giving commentary on like the people in the dealer's room at AWA. Okay. And for some reason they let one guy in there that was selling like knife sharpeners. Like you would think an anime con is where you would go to get knife sharpeners. I totally forgot about this guy. Um, his comment was like, yeah, one guy was selling tactical knives with amplified pitch. He had like a microphone built in. And yeah, and he had like a, a basically a pitch to sell knife sharpeners to like weebs, like he was at the county fair or trade show. <laughs> I've actually seen this at comic cons where they're selling like large knives and stuff. It, well, it does stand out. Okay, no, like selling knives is one thing, but like sharpeners, and you have like a, a like an old like country guy out there. He's like, you know, talking really really fast and pitching people like, you know, you'll never find a better sharpener than this. You. And, like, you know, five counties around here, blah, 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 you know, like, and it's, I just kind of kept walking, and I'm like, no, I, I didn't, I came here to buy anime merch. So you got a guy selling, like, knife sharpeners with people selling fake foam swords. Like, how does that work? <laughs> he's, pro- he's probably just somebody who goes to, like, all local gatherings or whatever, just trying to sell yeah. these things. I'm just responding real quick. And I'm going to edit this blank space of nothing and, and, you know, post or whatever, so. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll just talk about, like, I, going to the movie theater. I guess the last time I went was um, I saw the new My Hero Academia movie. Um, yeah. Like, about a, about a week ago. And uh, I was the only one in that screening of that movie. Um they did ask me dubbed or subbed as I was going in, so I guess that maybe there's more like weeaboos or whatever that um, wanted to see it subbed, but I, I, I bet those were probably pretty empty as well. I don't know how they can have a movie like that playing like five or six times a day. Like, I, I think some of these movies probably should have just been these one-night events or whatever like um, they did with Battle of Gods, but kind of that one did so well that they've done a lot of these like wide release anime anime since then, and uh, they didn't even carry this movie at um, at Fat Cats. They, I, I had to go to Harkins for it. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, the last anime movie I saw before this was uh, Demon Slayer, which that one it worked out having a wide release, I guess, because it did almost as well or maybe better than um, Mortal Kombat. And uh, the first week, Fat Cats didn't carry it because they thought, well, this is some niche anime thing. We were going to have more screens for Mortal Kombat. But then the second week, they uh, they added it, and that's where I ended up seeing it. So I, I don't know if My Hero Academia is not doing that well or, or if it's doing okay, but um, it was a pretty good film, and they did give me this um, little um, manga booklet that had like interviews with the mm-hmm. um, creator of My Hero Academia and his editors and some, like, uh, designs from the film, and, um... Wait, is it, like, uh, one per person, or could you have, could you could have, like, hoarded all of them, or, like, ten of them, or something? Well, there was a pile there that was pretty tall. <laughs> I probably could have stole all of them and sold them online or something, but, uh... Yeah. I, and they seem to be, like, um... I've never seen this before, but they seem to be these, these little booklets that they give out in, uh... In Japan, because I've heard of them giving these out at, at movies where they have like a little miniature manga in there and mm-hmm. some other out of books type stuff. And, yeah. Um, and, it, and it was like, 
um, that, that, that just the way the, the book looked, it looked sort of like some of the Japanese designs of um, these type of things that I've seen when I was in Japan. So I, I guess it was neat they did this, but I can't imagine how many of these are, are just sitting on, on counters uh, at movie theaters and no one claiming them. They probably mostly yeah. got into crash. Yeah, that's what I was like. I kind of like you know, if you're the only one in the theater and he came out like, hey, can I get a couple more of these for like my friends, quote unquote? And they would have been like, probably like, yeah, sure. Like no one's seeing this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe it would have been more packed if I had gone um, at a later screening or something. I went at four o'clock. Oh, but, that's um... true. Maybe all the like, I mean, you don't. I mean, like other people have like you know nine to five jobs and then they just get off work and go see it. And you're like, Mister. Yeah, oh, so I, I, I work out yeah, of the home. I can go do whatever I want. I'd make the you do be quite twice as much or whatever for matinee, and yeah, you know, better just see it earlier and not be that's true. Pay as much, but um, all right. Well, in terms of introductions, this is the Anime of Yesteryear podcast, which I'm now finally after hearing John um, talk about seeing my hero and me replying to forum posts in the middle of a recording which is very irresponsible of us this is supposed to be the James Bond podcast where we talk about no time to die I'm Dustin, you're John same old spiel, blah 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 um I'm really glad that this is the um I'm finally glad that they finally put the new Bond movie out finally after like a delay of of a year and a half thanks to COVID yeah I mean when, when I saw the movie I was starting to think, okay, I can kind of see why they delayed this, and I'm surprised they actually put it out at all. Because yeah, um, yeah, not because it's a bad movie or anything; it's actually pretty good. But the, the the plot involves a virus that was created by the British government as a bioweapon to target people's DNA and mm-hmm. kill them. So um, yeah, when I saw kind of a yeah. edgy plot this year, yeah, because like when I saw that, I was just like. Wow, I'm glad this got out in theaters. I didn't, like this is a pretty crazy plot. Like this hits home. Like this is hits pretty close to home. And uh I mean there's been other movies they've talked about like, you know, like bioweapons made in labs and for the government purposes or whatever, you know. It's not, you know, they're always going to be doing that kind of stuff, but it's kind of yeah, like now right. it's like you know, I watched the first four Mission Impossible movies this year and um one of them does involve a plot that's very similar to this, where uh, Tom Cruise has to deal with some uh, government-created uh, bioweapon, and I don't remember if it was number three or, or what, what, but uh, yeah, they did... This is not the first time they've done a spy movie with this type of plot. Well, but, uh, uh, okay, I've only seen, like, the one in three of the Mission Impossible... What was it? Last year I bought, like, the whole Mission Impossible movie set, and it's still sitting on my shelf. <laughs> I'm so bad. Um... Did you watch the Leprechaun set that you got? I saw the first movie, and I just don't have the heart to watch the other seven. <laughs> That's the same with me. I haven't watched the others yet. I mean, I've got two and three sitting on my DVR oh, from the sci-fi channel, gosh. but I've just never gotten around to it. I, don't... I, I know they get really stupid just from the titles, because it's like Leprechaun in L.A., Leprechaun in Vegas, Leprechaun in Leprechaun in, in the Hood! Yeah, and then there's a sequel to Leprechaun in the Hood, where he's like back in the hood or something. They, they get really stupid. Maybe it was actually funny. <laughs> I, 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 it was really painful to watch it the first time because I had like a very young Jennifer Aniston in it, and 
I'm just like, oh man, I, I, there's other things I want to watch than, than this. This is not that good. Like, the Resident <laughs> Evil films, despite how bad they are, I at least, like, sort of expected them. I mean, they try to pay, play it seriously, but at the same time, it's funny to watch. But, like, I enjoy stuff like that. But then you have, like, an actual comedy horror where it's just stupid, like, Looney Tunes antics in a horror, in a horror movie. And I'm like, I, I can't get into this. I was like, oh, this is a bad seen, purchase. Have you seen the Chucky movies? I saw those on TV late at night when I was in middle school, so, like, late 90s. Um, I know the second one was, like, they're at, like, a ROTC camp or something. And, like, Chucky one. loads live ammunition and, like, into guns and, like, throws a grenade and, like, the nerdy kid has to sacrifice himself. Um, I know I've seen... Like, the. I know I've seen the third one. I can't remember anything about it. That, that was the third one that you just described. I thought that I was think. the second one. Well, the the first one and the second one involved that, um, you know, really innocent-looking kid um, yeah. that owns Chucky at first. Yeah. And then he gets sent off to military camp to, in the third one for some reason. And then the fourth one has got him and, um, he, and he's got, like, a wife or something. Oh, the Bride like of Chucky. Her. Yeah, and then there's, like, the yeah. kid of Chucky for the fifth movie. Yeah, the seed of Chucky, and that was yeah. like a parody of uh, Glenn or Glinda by Ed Wood. So the kid is uh, the kid is like a transgendered, like mentally ill. Oh uh, my doll. gosh! And he keeps changing back and forth. It's actually kind of funny because it's so politically incorrect now. But, uh... <laughs> well, I because I remember watching them like late, maybe on like late at night, like either sci-fi or. TBS or TNT, like, and I had cable in middle school, so like I'd stay up and watch it, and then wake up like three hours later having a really bad nightmare from it or whatever. And, like I'll never watch those movies again because I was like twelve or twelve or thirteen at the time. So the killer doll actually frightened you? <laughs> well, I guess so. Like I remember, like I mean, like for that time, yeah. I mean, like you know, it's scary movies on cable. Like, how am I not going to watch that? And especially hot <laughs> yeah. chicks on TV. Um. Yeah, the third, the fourth and the fifth one, like, the main appeal is, like, the uh, the woman that plays his wife. Uh, she's not just in it as a puppet. She's in it as, like, a real girl, and her, like, boobs are pretty enormous. I don't know if she's, like, a yeah. porn star. But... Well, no, that, the girl who plays her is the one that's in those Kevin Smith movies. It's not Renee Zellweger. It's the other one. She was also in Liar Liar as, like, the, the blonde bimbo that, like... Um, Jim Carrey has to like defend or whatever on the stand. Yeah, that, oh, that's okay. that's her. Yeah, so she, she plays like the, the Southern Belle accent, which is also um... yeah. But she sounds very raspy. She's got that horrendously raspy voice. Yes, very much. Yes. <laughs> the fifth one is weird because she's not playing like um, the same character as in the fourth one because the the one in the fourth one like dies and gets sent into the doll through an electric shock, just like Chucky did. Yeah, and then in the fifth one, she's like an actress that um, it, she's like sleeping with the director to work her way up, and uh, mm-hmm. she has to like deal with the dolls on set, and uh, you know, and then they keep making jokes about, hey, doesn't this doll sound just like me? And uh, yeah, th- those movies are really like campy and self-aware horror movies. Yeah, but I kind of enjoyed them more than the, the Leprechaun movie, at least. <laughs> oh gosh, I, I, it was just. It got to be way too stupid, and I'm just like, yeah. I, I can't, I can't enjoy this. I, I don't know. 
what was the plot? She had like moved into some some beat up home and she finds a leprechaun. Her dad her dad is renovating this house because ten years earlier this like Irish dude comes back and he's like, I found this pot of gold in Ireland and I beat the leprechaun or whatever and then the leprechaun comes, murders his wife and gives him a heart attack, but then he puts the the four leaf clover on a crate for like ten years. Jennifer Aniston moves it because she's stupid. And then the leprechaun wreaks havoc, kills a cop. They go to like an old folks home where like uh, the guy, no, the old guy didn't die. He had a stroke or something. And he's like in there. Well, she goes to meet him and then it turns out the leprechaun beats her there because he can teleport to wherever he wants to go. And they have to dig and find a four leaf clover like in this clover patch behind the house. And somehow it's been surviving for 10 years and it hasn't grown to any other part except for like a five by five space next to a tree. And then the kid like just says F you lucky charms and then wraps the, a marble and the four leaf clover and the thing shoots into the leprechaun's mouth, falls in the well, then explodes or something. You just, you just saved our viewers an hour and a half. Yes, I say I just saved you an hour and a half of your time. You're all welcome. Do not watch that movie. And I have no idea why the other seven are going to be any better. <laughs> They're probably not. <laughs> oh, no, I don't know. I think one of them has iced tea in it. So, like, I'm kind of curious because iced tea is in it. <laughs> That's probably the ghetto one. <laughs> That's one of the ghetto ones, I think. Hold on, I got the hold on, I got the back of it. I'm looking at it right now, so let me read the back of it because it tells me like every single. All right, uh, so Leprechaun in the Hood, uh, yeah, Ice T, A.T. Montgomery, Rashawn Nail, Red Grant, and then Leprechaun Back to the Hood, the sequel to it, uh. Tangie Miller, Laz Alonzo, Paige Kennedy, Sherry Jackson. Uh, this I just know. So Ice T is in the f- uh, fifth movie. Excuse me. Right. And then there's Leprechaun Origins, and then Leprechaun Returns, which came out in like yeah, 2018. I... That I didn't even know about. Like, so the one Origins is apparently it was done by WWE Studios. So I, yes. It got rebooted, and I think they got rid of Warwick Davis as Leprechaun. Yeah, because that was originally created by him, yeah. Um, yeah, they do that kind of weird show with WWE. They make all these these weird little sequels. Like, they made Surf's Up 2, where it's the Surfing Penguins, but somehow involves wrestling, I guess. John Cena! Yeah, and they made those like Flintstones and Jetsons and Scooby Doo WWE. Oh, but those are animated though, right? They're not real people in them, are they? No, they're not. But I think they made some other live action ones, but I couldn't name them. Oh my god, Daph would know all about them. He's probably seen every single one of them. Yeah, he's obsessed with those films for whatever ungodly reason. Yeah. Um. Hey, weren't we talking about James Bond just a minute ago? But the bioweapon plot got us up on Mission Impossible. Oh, and then the Leprechaun films. And then Chucky and then WWE. Oh my gosh, that's where the rabbit hole went. Jeez. So anyway, so that they've got a bioweapon and um, they're like making jokes in the lab. And I was just thinking, this is like what uh, 
Peter Dazak and uh, Anthony Fauci were doing. They were just playing gags on each other in the Wuhan. Lab. <laughs> hey, I put some uh, smallpox weaponized in your Cheerios, buddy. Oh, 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 like, practical joke there. It's practical joke, no, Fauci. <laughs> <laughs> and then accidentally, uh, one of them accidentally drinks it, and then it gets out to the whole world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There being a bunch of research accidentally. Uh, no, well, then they say it came from a bat, so like, imagine them like trying to like hook up a string kite to a bat in the lab, and then it gets out through the air duct, and they're like, Oh no, it got away. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Fauci's going, I got this. I can cover it up. Just leave it to me. <laughs> well, they did a good job of covering it up because they put this guy, uh, Peter Dazak, who uh, was in charge of the uh, gain of function funds in charge of also uh, deciding what's medical misinformation on Facebook, and conveniently he uh, decided that any criticism of the gain-of-function research is medical misinformation that has to be removed, so no one can criticize him. Uh, you know, a very uh, great move by Facebook to put these guys in charge of mm. you know, criticizing their own behavior. Yeah. Uh... I had to remember who the blonde chick was in this movie because she obviously came from Spectre, and I don't remember too much of Spectre. Uh, this is the woman that Bond is with at the beginning of the movie. Yes, the blonde. Yeah. So the movie starts out with the uh, with her as a kid, and there's the guy with the masks, yeah, chasing her, and uh, uh, she she shoots him after he kills her mother, but then she falls in the lake, and uh, then he pulls her out. Then, well, no, um, he shoots He shoots his machine gun to break up the ice that she fell into. Right. And none of the bullets hit her underwater. And then he pulls her out. You know you know something? Before it, it took 25 minutes in this film before they got to the credits, or to the opening. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was a while. It was a first, long time, because I'm like... At first, they're speaking in French, so I had to ask Daph, like, is this an English-language movie you sent me? And then he's like, yeah, I scrimmed, and then later on they speak in English. So I was like, well, right, I was... It, well, in the theaters it was in subtitles. So, okay. yeah, I know it's, yeah, it's exactly. not a French dub, but like they're French living in – because the cabin's in Norway. Oh. Yeah, that was yeah, the other – I, I assumed it was cool back because it was cold and it was French-speaking. Well, okay, they go back – Bond finds her at the house – spoiler alert because this is what we're going to do – Finds her at the house in the middle of the movie, and then that gets um, Seferin's men to go after them. And it, okay. it, that, but there was a bunch of other stuff leading up to that before it leads up to them going to like middle of freaking the waters of China, where like an old like military base is is installed or whatever, and that's where they're making the virus. In the Wuhan lab, you mean? Yeah, Wuhong lab in the middle of the ocean that's, like, already a hot zone between China and Japan. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that, that house where um, he goes and uh, and the, she, he meets uh, his daughter, is that the, that's the same house that she was in in the beginning of the movie? Yes, yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because he's like, he's, like, trying to, you know, get back with her because he turned, he turned on her after they... Blofeld's agents found them when they were visiting the yep. uh, 
the grave of one of his previous women. Yeah, um, well, it was Vesper from like the first film. So that, yeah, and this like that's this kind of like calls all the way back to that first film. You know, back in two thousand five when Casino Royale came out. That's like, yes, oh, I'm putting her behind time. me. You know, I'm with you're the new girl. I'm with you now. And, you know, it's interesting. Like this opening kind of reminds me of the ending of uh, Your Majesty's Secret Service, and because Bond gets married or he's like already has someone he's like wanting to be committed to, and then Blowfield Telly Savalish machine guns them down. That's a good point. I mean, um, that 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 movie it was kind of the end of an era too. It's the end of the '60s era of Bond. Yeah, even though it doesn't have Connery in it, it has Lazenby, but it's still feels like the cool spy dramas of the 60s before you get to the campy era of Diamonds of Forever and Roger Moore coming after yeah. that. Yeah. So, yeah, and this is similarly the end of an era in the most extreme way possible by killing off Mond at the end. Well, yeah, we're going to spoil the whole movie for you guys. Okay, so here here's my question to you because I remember, like, my brother and I, and we brought this other kid with us. Uh, it's technically my um, nephew now. Um, spoiler alert, my brother has already gone through getting married to this girl. It's, I don't want to get into it, but. Oh. So, yeah, okay. he's, he's legally married to this. It's, all I can say the whole situation is that it's weird. Anyways. And that, and that uh, older single mother that he was dating? Yes, with the three kids. So they're, leg- they've been legally married for a couple months. And now they're trying to do an actual wedding, like in Feb- February. So I got to go get fitted for a tux tomorrow. I don't see the point, but aside from that, anyways, that's as far as we're going to get into that. <laughs> um, uh, so no, we came out of that film and my thing was that, okay. And I've talked to other people about this online and I think they're also full of bull crap where they're like, okay, so because in the film, it was like a James Bond movie, but not James Bond 007 because those two are supposed to go hand in hand. So Bond is just by himself, and even the movie kind of like wants to make it a joke on how ridiculous it is, but at the same time also very sad, because whenever they say 007 and him and the black chick are there, they both respond, and Bond has to set back, he's like, oh yeah, I don't have that number anymore, when for 50 plus years, he's always been 007. Yeah, so what happens is he like retired to... uh... Um, you know, he was, he couldn't take it anymore after Spectre, I guess. And then she takes his number, but then partway through the movie, she gives the number back to him. And then I guess okay, she's it's like an honorary degree. Yeah. Like you can, it's sort of, it's not really the real thing, but it makes you feel special. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a replacement movie, just like many others. It, um, but it, it's also like, she's a second fiddle the whole time. Like, yes. Like, he is yeah, clowning her funny. up and down, like, the whole, her job. Like, he outwits her, this is the new 007, top class 00 agent, and Bond is like, you ain't, like, you, you just new school, like, this is, I'm old school, let me show you how it's done. And, like, leaves her hanging in front of, like, the, like, the Mexican police or whatever country they were at, like, where all the Spectre agents, like, die from the bioweapon, um... Anyways, In that but... whole final sequence where he's at their lab and he's doing all this stuff with the missiles, and then he gets ambushed by the guy he thought he'd killed. Mm-hmm. She was nowhere to be found in any of that. 
Are we talking about the uh, the new 007? Yes, she could have helped him, and instead he ends up being blown up. Well, she had... They, no, okay, so with him in the Battle of Sephirin, Bond, so... Because you already know... I knew, already knew where this is going at this point. Where, like, he's like, hey, 007 black chick, or, you know, I, I don't know, um... You know, take care of my girl and my kid and, you know, get him to a safe place and I'll handle it from here. But then the plot device of why he couldn't be with them is the fact that Seferin had a a bioweapon that was in that case. And when they were fighting, he scratched Bond with it, which means the nanomachine virus is in Bond's body. So if he met up with his, his love interest, it would have killed her if they actually physically touched. So Bond's like, if I can't really love her, and this place needs to be destroyed, then I have to sacrifice myself and <laughs> open the the bomb bay doors and let like you know the British military just nuke this whole place. And here's my um, here's where I'm trying to go with this in terms of his death. There's been no other Bond film ever that they've killed off James Bond. This is the first film that James Bond is dead. And yet, they're still going to continue with these movies. But it's not, it can't be named James Bond now. It's 007. So it's weird. You can't say when the new, when the new 007 movie comes out, everyone's always been saying, Oh, did you see the new Bond film? Hey, when we're going to, you, I'm telling you, Hey, let's review, you know, let me know when he's, let me know when you see the new Bond film so we can review the Bond film. We can't say Bond anymore. He's dead. And that's, and you can't, it, it's weird that you can't add 007 and Bond together now. And I get that the number, 00 name, or the number is associated with like the agency or whatever, MI6. But it, it's, it's just so weird. And it's like, I knew this was coming. So, like, are they going to give, like, the black chick, like, the, the codename Bond or something? Is she going to be, like, Jeanette Bond? Uh, Jakia Bond? I don't know. That's... Yeah. Um, I, I guess the deal is that the, the, the movie title kind of sets you up for it, No Time to Die. But then again, there are others, like, Live and Let Die, and he doesn't die in that. You only live twice. <laughs> That's true. And Bond died, or supposedly died the first five minutes of that film. Die another day. Yeah. That's another one. There's a lot to have dying and kill in the name. View to a kill. kill. License to kill. Um. <laughs> I don't know. There's there's others. Yeah. Um. There's a lot, but um. Anyway, they uh, they they, they kind of. I mean, after the there, there are a few eras of Bond, like I said earlier. I mean, there's the original era. There's the there's the Roger Moore era. Yeah. And then after that, there is kind of a break in continuity. And you have the Dalton era. And at that point, I believe they recast um, Felix Leiter and some of the other characters. Yeah. Um, like Money Penny, I think, is recast at that point. Yes. Him, and, uh, but, yeah, Judy Dench is the new M. Yeah, and then, um, and then the Boston movies again they recast. Yeah, and then they killed her off ten years ago. 
to make to right. kind of do a revamp of the old style of the James Bond where they have the new M, which is like a grizzled old like white British dude, just like the original M, which I like. Um, and of course they always got and they got a new Money Penny who's like the really cute black chick. Um, and now you got this now you got this new girl, and so then it's because I even said this I know I said this years ago where it's like. Okay, the new Bond is like if they make her a girl, is she gonna bang every dude the same same way Bond banged every guy, or are they just gonna get rid of that, or are they gonna make her a lesbian or something? Like I don't know. I mean, because they already they already gender they already sexually identified uh, what Q's into, because he's like, oh, you can't be over here. I have a date coming over, and he's on the way, or he he will be here, and it's like, you know, the nod that he's a gay dude, a gay like techie guy. Yeah, I guess there's a gay computer nerd or something. I was like, but, we didn't care to know. We didn't, I, like, I didn't care. Anyways. Yeah, I, I didn't even notice this little detail, but I guess they do. They do just slip that kind of thing in there a lot. Just to, yeah. Uh, rub it in the face of people who don't like that, obviously. <laughs> that angers I, them. I mean, Q, the, I mean, like, the old, the old Q was, um, you know, even John Cleese Q, that one movie, like, you know, they never, like, stated, like, you know, what their sexual orientation was. It was just like, I'm a guy giving you stuff to do your job. And I make puns making fun of how dumb you are. Because that's funny. That's that's Q. That's all you need to know about Q. <laughs> well, um, let me think here. Where was I going? Uh, yeah, I was listing out the Bond errors. Anyway, the Daniel Craig Bond era... That was another period where even more than any of the other, just there was a sort of hard break from continuity um, of the previous films mm-hmm. because you get Casino Royale as the first one, and it's sort of like they're going back to the old Ian Fleming books again, mm-hmm. and um, you know Bond is he's uh, you know he looks very different than in the other movies, and now it's sort of more like the Jason Bourne movies that people always compare these to, yeah, with more. Uh, you know, intense action and uh, quicker camera movements and all this kind of well, stuff that you see. I in mean, Timothy movies. Dalton was the, was a was another like tough guy Bond, and he only got That's two true. films. And like those films are actually like, pretty decent. Like I think, um, I, like I, I mean, License to Kill. I, I like Living Daylights a lot better than License to Kill, but those are interesting films on their own. They're like. They take it much more seriously than the way it had been up to then. They're much more violent. Yes, yes. They deal with more real-world matters, like the Afghan rebels and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting to watch those movies. But um, And then uh, then you have Goldeneye, and that kind of tries to deal with the... Uh, that's kind of re- rebooting him again for the post-Cold War era and um, mm-hmm. um, trying to make it where, you know, you, you see how he's dealing with the fall of the Soviet Union and... Uh, all these nuclear missiles that are kind of up in the air after the various Soviet republics mm-hmm. collapsed. And, um, you know, that's an interesting movie too. And then you had the great video game that was based on it as well. I Goldeneye is like the Final Fantasy VII of like the the James Bond trilogy. Like it's it's uh, to me like Goldeneye is like I think they helped it because of that game. But to me, like Goldeneye is one of like one of my favorite films, Bond films. Um, just how it was really hyped at the time, and the fact I think it's just like we're bringing in Pierce Bronson in, 
it was it's a fantastic film that hit him straight off. Like I, yeah. I just I just really really like that film. I've seen it so many times. I mean, I won it on a James Bond contest online on the internet when I was thirteen. I lied about my age and I got a VHS tape sent to me like three months later. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've told about that contest before. Yeah, I don't remember this though. Uh, that's funny, but. Uh... What was it? Where, where, where was the contest? How'd you find out about it? like TV? Or? I think it was on like it was on like a website. Maybe the TNT was doing a contest for it, and they're like, you know, like thousand lucky winners can win like James Bond on, like on VHS, and that was like the third place stuff. And I was uh-huh. like, well, I wonder how like much tr- in trouble I'm gonna get. And so I just put my name in and said I was 18. And three or four months later, I got a tape. I got a, something in the mail. I totally forgot about it. And then I got I pop it open as Goldeneye, and I was like. You know, my mom's like, "How'd you get that?" I was like, "Well, <laughs> I got a free in a contest." Yeah, I, I got it in a contest, stuff. and I lied about my age. How is they gonna know? It's the internet in 1998. You know, mom or 99, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, it is funny. Like back in the day, I remember being a teenager and clicking through, like, "Oh yeah, I'm 18." Like to go on 4chan and stuff, like. There's really no way they can tell you're lying. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, it's it's so pointless. It's an it's a stupid honesty system. There are people who are like, uh, children are seeing too much pornography on the internet. Well, I don't disagree, but then they say, and we need to therefore make it so that you have to be 18 in order to view it online. Okay, well, how are you going to do that? It's not been legal for children to watch pornography on the internet ever, but they they somehow find it anyway once they're finding sexual urges. Oh you know? my gosh. So, it can, it, 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 the, as the Avenue Q song said it and spelt it out for years, the internet is for porn. Yeah. It, it that's, yeah, you know, that's where you find it. I mean, and you don't have to be, I guess it's a, a very level, varying of levels and like, what you're looking for, but like you know, there's it's you don't need parental permission to look at like lingerie ads or something. I mean, <laughs> well, it, yeah, I mean, even back in the day, you'll hear boomers or even Gen Xers talk about their early erotic experiences, and it's always that they found a copy of Playboy under their dad's mattress or that kind of thing, mm-hmm. or somebody had one at summer camp, mm-hmm. and then they got to see their first uh, pair of boobs, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, the internet is very different than that. I mean, you can yeah. see, like, hardcore pornography on the internet, at, you know, and there's no way to really verify what age you are. But, I mean, the, the Pandora's box has been opened. It is what it is. It's been open for 25 years. Yeah. Yeah. And it's even easier now that it's not dialed up or whatever where it would be too long to watch a video well, like that. Well, you're trying you can't watch it at 3 a.m. in a quiet household with DSL connection or the whole household is going to hear right. you know, yeah. Is it slowly nothing? Yeah. But uh no, no, I mean these days, I mean I live in the middle of the desert and I downloaded this movie in 10 minutes, it's a 10 gigabyte file. I mean, it was zooming yeah. along, and then I, uh, you know, it was there, like, almost immediately. Like, that's how fast that, the internet is. That movie is larger than what high, hard drives were in 1999. Think about that. <laughs> I didn't have a bigger hard drive than that until maybe 10 years after that. Uh, you know, like, it was, like, the late 2000s when I got one that could even handle this movie. 
Because <laughs> I was using like a Windows 2000 machine or a Windows XP for a long time. Yeah. Those big old bulky monitors and the, yeah, yeah. And those big bulbous monitors. Yeah. That we had a. Our family had the old uh, Gateway computer, and uh, it had a, like a 20 gig hard drive on it. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, the way we got our computers was a we get them from a friend uh, from school whose mother uh, worked at the Hewlett Packard. Uh, plant or something like that. Yeah. So sometimes they would have some old leftover discontinued models that they'd give us. Mm-hmm. And B, we'd get them from uh, Russian that my dad worked with who had these uh, bootleg uh, CDs that he ran the Windows on. And so uh, we had like an unofficial copy of Windows XP that was from like the former Soviet Union or something. <laughs> Oh, nice. But yeah, going back to Bond, we're, we're oh, gosh. Um, that's true. <laughs> yeah, um, I the mean, rabbit hole is so deep in this that we can't. It was Ursula Andress walking out of the sea in Doctor No. That was like the original boomer form of erotica. Bond girls. Oh yeah, and and there's plenty of beautiful women in this movie. Like there's that woman in the. Evening gown that Bond makes is supposedly had three weeks of training, and then yeah, the like new girl. I liked her. I, I really liked her. She was just like this cute thing. That's like, and she drank like a sailor. You know, Bond sipping on a martini with class, and she's just gulping that sucker down. It's like, hold on there, sailor. We got a whole lot of more of the ocean to cover, and your job tonight. And she fought fine for borderline alcoholic like Bond is and uh, yeah. no like I oh I loved her I loved her character so much I, I'm hoping we see her in the next Bond film because yeah, she, she made like a brief thing at the film. office and I was like oh let bring her in this movie you know she's awesome yeah yeah that, that she wasn't very good and um, but then she kind of just stops appearing midway through the movie yeah really I don't even think she was there at the end of the movie where like the Bond memoriam where they're like, you know, having a toasting a glass to Bond's passing in M's office. I was like, well, no, but she cute did a lot of great action while she was there. I mean, the scene where she's like spinning around on the floor with a gun. Yeah, the yeah. Way, it's like something you'd see in the Matrix or something. Yeah, well, there's also the stupid gun food, the gun food that they used, and like the uh, the the Wuhan knockoff lab, where like Bond is like, you know, using the gun as a whip and whipping bullets out of it. And, like, I looked at my brother, I'm like, that's bullshit, right? He's like, yeah, that you can't shoot like that. And I'm like, but you're not Bond, <laughs> you know? But, right. uh, yeah, and, like, and there's all this stuff where, like, you know, like, he takes a grenade, like, you know, a grenade blows up five feet from him, and he somehow avoids that with, like, a bruise on his, and his, you know, his ribs and limping upstairs and close quarter combat fighting. That, now, that whole scene, that one take on the stairwell, that was an amazing shot. I was impressed. I was. I realized what was happening. I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is this is all one take. This is great choreography. I love this." Yeah, there, there are some some really great uh, shots, like uh, the one where Bond is in the car with the woman, and there's a man outside shooting at the glass, mm-hmm. and he's and he's just completely stone faced, and she's just begging him, "Say something, do something." You're seeing more and more cracks in the glass, but nothing is getting through. And then eventually he uh, suddenly uh, turns the car into a spin 
and he starts firing machine guns out of the car. Yeah. And everything is getting shot at. That is an amazing scene. Or the fact that the, that he hid behind that one cement block and the car flipped on the bridge. Like, split second timing. Like, there's just a whole lot of good choreography in this film. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it's impressive. It's, it's like, you know, just non... Like, even though it's a three-hour movie and you feel like it's a long movie and your butt gets sore, it still doesn't stop. It, it, I don't... I, I honestly was like... I didn't feel like I was like, come on, you know, hurry up, get this over with. I was like, no, like, I feel like this is paced very well for a three-hour movie. And that's yeah. really hard to do these days. I think it's like two hours, 40 minutes or something like that. But, yeah, I uh, I, I did watch it in two sittings. Um, I, I made it like an hour ten in or something. And then I paused about when um, Bond and um, 007 go to uh, M's um, – office and th- there's just all this confusion about who's the real 007 and yeah. uh, they're trying to check in and stuff and um, and then they're like oh no Bond only and she has to wait outside the door and it's kind of humiliating to her and, and then as he leaves then she tries to make some cheeky remark at him and you know there, there's all this kind of stuff where they're you know they're kind of petty over who's the real 007 um yeah, but uh, but then yeah, after that they um, they do have a lot more good stuff that happens in the later part of the movie. I mean, they, but you do, you do get to this just ominous uh, pacing, uh, especially near the end. As soon as you t- hear him tell uh, Hugh to his objections that he needs the missile sent out now, and uh, Hugh's like, "No, I want to wait until you leave the base," and he's like, "No, send them out now." And he was he was trying to walk him through all the process. He's like, "Okay, we need to be very careful. You do these buttons and this button." And Bond is just doing it all mm-hmm. before he can even get the words out of his mouth. Um, yeah, and you can just tell he's being reckless here. He's going to end up dying. But uh, but then anyway, the whole thing about the Craig era that I was going into is like that. That's a whole new era. They're just going to reboot it again, like they've done times before, and they're going to ignore that this ever happened when the next one comes out. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, either they're going to have to do the female Bond. I mean, granted, it's like, you know, if you want to say, if you want to keep this as a Bond movie, I guess you either do, and somebody mentioned like, oh, Bond's always been mentioned as a nickname, and I find that BS because I think it was, you know, Fleming's idea that his actual name was James Bond, unless I'm mistaken. Um, He's definitely called James Bond in the books. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't a code name or anything. Um <clears throat> I mean, I've never read the books. I do remember when I was in grade school, one of my friends, like older brothers, would always be reading the books. In the, you know, when I'd visit him, and uh, and I just thought that they seemed really cool and mature or whatever. But I never really read the full thing or whatever. But uh, yeah, and I, I think that the early Connery movies are pretty close to the early books, and uh, so right. I think that they they overlap pretty heavily and that they've never given any indication in any of those movies or any of the movies since that he's not just James Bond. Yeah. Or he, that's an alias that he's using. Like he's just, he's got swag that he can use his real name or it's, I don't know, but and that's just like the whole marquee of it. And this is how you do it. And I guess my thing, because he has a kid, are they going to like do James Bond films with like his daughter in the future? Maybe. So then to keep the uh, Bond family name in the spy business, that would be kind of interesting. 
Well, there was a, a character, come to think of it, known as James Bond Jr. Do you remember this? That was used a cartoon. Yeah, I know. I believe there were books as well. Books and a cartoon series. Yeah, I, I, I don't... I don't think it's going to be that cheeky. <laughs> that corny, yeah. but like... I, 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 you know, like, maybe do like a time skip on like the next films, then just have the daughter be like, you know, 25 or 30 or something, and or like twenty five or twenty two, starting out in the in the spy business. Yeah. Well, um, they they did say um, at Eon that they that James Bond is is a is a man. I mean, because I think there was some confusion when this was coming out. Like, he's the black woman James Bond or something, because she was heavily emphasized in the first trailer. Um, yeah. But they had to clarify, like, no, she's not James Bond. She's just 007 temporarily in this movie. Um, but I think that may have been also a statement by them, like, long-term, like, 007, James Bond is a is a man. He's James Bond. Like, I th- but, but then there is the whole issue of people have been begging them for years. Idris Elba, there's always been people demanding, you need a black Bond, and it needs to be Idris Elba. I've been hearing this since at least Skyfall. Maybe even earlier. Yeah. But I don't know if they would actually go that far. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think they would make Bond a woman because there is just a, a sort of macho appeal to Bond being a sort of male chauvinist. Yes, that, uh, yes. You don't get if it's a female, even if it's a even if it's a lesbian or whatever. Yeah, it, it, uh, yeah, it's, you know, definitely a, it's, it's a male dominant character. You don't want to change it. You don't want to do the Doctor Who thing where they make the Doctor a woman and fans get pissy. Right. I mean, I haven't watched it since they made the Doctor a woman, and I don't know if I would watch female James Bond either. It, it would just be too much. My, my, what I told my brother, it's like, well, if they put it out as a female James Bond, I'm just going to download it, so. Right. Well, um, I mean, there's there's no shortage of beautiful women that they could choose from, but uh, the question is, could any of them like pull off the sort of the charisma of of uh, Bond uh, as this sort of uh, you know the handsome man, whereas the the drink shaken not stirred, and uh, yeah, you know, like, <laughs> there's just. You know, he, he he definitely is a male archetype, and I just don't think it it would work as a as a as a female character. I mean, I'm sure there's there's plenty of like female spy movies, like Black Widow for one. Um, yeah. Not that that's such a great movie, but uh, there's there's really something good. <laughs> I, I haven't even seen it yet, and I don't. I mean. <laughs> I had a friend tell me that it's like, um, what was it, Eternals? His dad went and saw it, and his his dad's comment was like, "Yep, they put another faggot in the film, or something like that." Oh, I do remember hearing that it's a very gay movie. Yeah, yeah, that, that's funny. That's funny because he, my buddy Eric, rants about like how the comic industry has just gone totally PC and you know turned characters into you know like to fit the narrative of the political culture, but then. It's all the also the fact that like this is happening on different dimensions and Earths, so that's kind of how they can get away with it while still retaining the originality of like the original Superman. So uh, yeah, I, I mean what they've done with Superman and Batman recently is 
they created new Superman and Batman characters, and technically they're on the same Earths. One of them is um, like the bisexual Superman is the original Superman's like son who came over from another dimension or something like that. And then the original Superman, he's gone off to another planet, and then his son. Uh, he he was like a child, but then somehow he was artificially aged, and now he's going through puberty, and he realizes he likes boys. And I mean, it's all this sci-fi nonsense mixed with uh, PC. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> what they do with Batman is not much better. I mean, they there's still Bruce Wayne is still Batman, but then there's a another Batman who, uh, for whatever reason, uh, Catwoman like stole. Bruce Wayne's money and gave it to Lucius Fox and then his son was using the money to to become Batman uh, and the rumor is that Batman's going to have to leave Gotham at the end of uh, the current crossover Peter State and then this black Batman is going to be in charge of Gotham but they've already had to reboot that three times in one year so I don't think he's going to last long like Jeez. people just are not going to like it uh you know, they've done this kind of stuff a lot of times before. It's like a stunt to try to boost sales mixed with an attempt to ameliorate, like, the uh, critics who will say, why do you have all these white male superheroes? Why isn't there more diversity? So they, so they do it over and over. They replace characters. And, yeah. Um, like, even uh, when I would go to uh, the comic shop in College Station, there was a Latina woman that was running the shop, and she would always be ranting about these ridiculous uh, diversity replacements. She'd be like, oh, now the Hulk is Asian, and uh, Thor is a woman, (laughs) and uh, there was one that I didn't even know who this character was, apparently Angelica from Spawn. They say Marvel now owns this character, and they made her into a lesbian, and she was real upset about this. (laughs) (laughs) It's just just never-ending. I mean, they, they, they do it with every character to try to to try to a appeal to SJWs who attack them for having these legacy white male characters, yeah. and, and and b because many of the writers themselves are uh, SJWs. Um, if you well, see their social yeah, media, now, now they are yeah. and stuff. So, and, and I'm sure the same applies to the movie industry. I mean, uh, many of these screenwriters are. Uh, I, I mean, they're, they're, these people have never stopped complaining about the. Uh, McCarthy era 70 years ago when a handful of communists got blacklisted from the screenwriting industry and then they just continued to write anyway under pseudonyms so it's not like they were even that damaged professionally I and mean, most of them came back and started writing under their real names eventually Yeah, but they treat that as like the darkest era in American history if you ever see movies about the 50s it's always about the evil McCarthyists <laughs> trying to prevent the, the good communists from <laughs> taking over everything oh my gosh <laughs> I mean, and they're going to be the same way in in another 30 years or something they're going to be like these reactionary fans that couldn't accept the black Batman and the gay Superman and they they had to change it back in a year or two because of these evil fans who wouldn't buy the books anymore (laughs) the fans are the ones that caused the industry to collapse (laughs) yes it will collapse there's no doubt about that you can't piss off your fans that way and retain an industry that's that's balancing by a thread anyway between the move really? to digital comics and the whole COVID thing. I mean, many comic shops were closed down forever because of 
uh, Diamond just shutting down distribution of comics for months during COVID, and because of the lockdowns, many yeah. cities wouldn't allow them to operate their shops. And yeah, I mean that 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 alone was enough to decimate a lot of them. But then when they when they kill off everyone's favorite heroes, as they're doing with this Bond movie too, and then they just replace them, and people are like, "Well, this is not the character I want to read." Uh, you know, this this. Uh, gay black Mexican Spider-Man Miles Morales is not Peter Parker. People like Peter Parker. That's a character that's lasted, yeah, you know, 60 that they're familiar years. with. Yeah, they want to know what Peter's up to, not Miles Morales. Right. And, and they, they'll get their little woke brownie points from these SJW sites like Bleeding Cool and all these other, you know, comic book uh, nerd left-wing sites. But uh, those people are a minority. Uh, they're not actually the majority of the people who buy comic books. So these people are fucking themselves over. And if, if, if they try to do the same thing with Bond, it's going to be the same way. A lot of people are not going to see it. And I mean, I think with movies, they may be able to focus test it more before going down that path, uh, just by showing like early versions of these films uh, to people or asking test audiences, what would you think about a female Bond? I think they probably toned down the amount of the, uh, the black woman 007 in this movie from from the initial plan because of probably people didn't like her that much. Well, she didn't. I mean, she, she was wasn't the main movie. star of this. It was Daniel Craig. And, yeah, um, I mean, she really is a secondary character. Yeah, she was totally a secondary character. And that's and that's my thing where it's just like, okay, where are they going to take these movies next now that James Bond is dead? Now that they, they killed off the character, essentially. Unless they're just going to like you said, reboot it and act like nothing ever changed. Yeah, I mean, it's it it, it does remind me in a way, except for this movie's pretty good, of the Star Wars sequels, where, I mean, these movies exist ostensibly, they're existing to please the fans of the original movies. I mean, they made a big point of, like, The Force Awakens, it's not like the prequels, it's like the movies you love from the 70s and 80s. Look, the Millennium Falcon go burr and everything. <laughs> and, uh... Look, we got a, a strong female Ray. She's just like Princess Leia. Isn't that so cool? Like and, she's like know. Luke and Leia, but she's a woman. <laughs> but let him yes. go burr. <laughs> um, I mean, that was what that fucking movie was. It was like, look, she's got the, she can pilot the Millennium Falcon on her first try. Isn't she so badass? <laughs> yeah, buy her toys. <laughs> Yeah, that's why she made. She was so uninteresting. It was like I can do anything better than anybody else ever, forever in the galaxy. And it's like, I don't want to watch this movie anymore. I was like, don't you have any flaws? And <laughs> they kind of had that in the last movie, I think, a little bit. They they made her the perfect Mary Sue, and uh, yeah, and people could put up with it at first because of the jolt of nostalgia that the Force Awakens brought to people. Uh, they did try to emulate everything down to having a mock cantina scene, yeah. and, uh, having it start off on the desert planet and all that kind of stuff. But um, but yeah, then eventually it wore, it wore thin and people realized, well, actually, I don't really care about Poe Dameron and Finn and like these characters that they've brought in that are just not Rose. that interesting. The Asian Rose, chick that was like, I magically want to fall in love with uh, the black guy, whatever his name was. All of a I sudden. Was... 
That's right. And then she like jams into him when he's about to make the sacrifice and all that stuff. Oh my I, that, yeah, that was in the Last Jedi, which is probably the one that that pissed people off the most. Um, absolutely. Um, I mean, there were people who didn't like the Rise of Skywalker too, but uh, that was but still that, a, was, that was still a better film, right? And that and that one was, you know, that one was, I guess is an, another Abram. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's like the the rise of the rise of Skywalker is like the Force Awakens. Uh, really, it's like a big action sequence, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and they don't slow it down for stuff like the the casino subplot in the second uh, movie and all the stupid stuff they stuck oh, in there. And. Uh, yeah, but uh, but but yeah, I mean that's another example where the the movie exists to try to create new characters and test the water and see, or would people see a movie with just Poe, Finn, Rose, Ray, and I think what they've determined is no, um, because they they they've clearly made a move away from the uh, these main movie events, uh, which they I just don't think they can do them anymore because. Uh, Mm-hmm. They killed off Luke, Leia, and Han, and that's what people mm-hmm. saw these new movies for. They wanted to see those actors again for the last time, and and now they're all gone. I mean, Carrie Fisher is gone from this Earth, and the other two characters are, are dead. They can show up as Force ghosts or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, Han Solo suddenly is able to do Force ghost stuff in the, the Rise of Skywalker, you know, so that they can get a little Harrison Ford cameo in, but... Uh, but but ultimately, you can't do something like that with Bond. Like once he's dead, he's he's yeah. dead. He's yeah. not going to be a ghost because these are not supernatural movies. Yeah, they, they either have to reboot it or they have to bring in a replacement, and and they risk alienating too many people with a, uh, a completely new character as a replacement. So they're going to do it. They're going to do a halfway thing where where it's like what they did with with MJ in the uh, in the Spider Man movies, where it's like she's kind of. Mary Jane, but we're not going to call her Mary Jane, and she's going to be black, and she's going to be a celebrity, and you know, they're probably going to do something like that, and I, I think they will eventually give in and do the Idris Elba thing, and they'll just call him Bond, and they'll just pretend that this movie and the four or five before it, I guess there's, Casino Royale, Quantum Solace, Skyfall. Spectre, and No Time, no to, time die. to Die. So five, right? So yeah. they're just going to pretend those movies never happened. They're just not going to mention them. And it's going to be uh, it's just going to be a, a cold reboot like they did with um, Casino you know, like Transformers. Oh, no. They did the Bumblebee and they just pretended the Bayformers never happened. It just isn't mentioned. They'll do something well, like and that. that. And that's true because like, I mean, like in Bumblebee was a better movie. Right. And they'll hope they can breathe some fresh blood in by bringing in a younger actor. Uh, you know. Maybe. I don't know how old they just all It's just so play. interesting how, like, these people that make these billion-dollar movies, like, they they don't care about the source material. Like, you get started on something, it goes a couple of films, and they're like, no, nah, we don't like it. We're just going to redo it. And so that's why we got, like, 30 different Spider-Man movies. I, I, I mean, okay, maybe I'm exaggerating a tad, but that's how it feels. I was like, why can't we just stay consistent like, the X-Men films seem to be the most consistent. Like, with... And now, and now Disney is gonna, you know, put the damper on that. We haven't had anything since Dark Phoenix. Yeah. And Dark Phoenix was an alright movie. Although, I will give them credit. Today they announced that they're gonna make a new season 
of the 90s X-Men cartoon, which I've been watching recently because they had it at the local library. And oh, nice. that is one of the greatest cartoons of the 1990s. I hope they can do it justice and uh, they, don't, they don't screw it up by making mm-hmm. a new season of that. Yeah, they called it X-Men 97. Yeah, because that's when the last episode aired. Wow. I mean, there is really a troubled production with that show. Uh-huh. I've been watching it, and the episodes are all out of order because they go by the the air dates. And um, after the Phoenix Saga, they started having problems animating it in time because the same studio also started animating the Tick in the, that season. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, so they so they had to delay some episodes by as much as three years, and so you have like. Um, like Cyclops mourning the death of Jean when she has already been alive again for like three years. <laughs> in, in the final season, they air an episode that was meant for like season three. Wow. I, you know, they're not going to do something that screwed up now because they don't have to deal with the broadcast TV uh, deadlines of the Fox network of 1990s. But yeah. It is funny that Disney could not be bothered to put the episodes in the right order on, on the DVDs or on Disney Plus or anything. Oh, gosh. They had the same problem with X Men Evolution. They didn't. They didn't bother to like look at Wikipedia where they have like the correct episode order listing. But they they didn't bother to consult the producers. They have their own script order that they could have given them. They're just like, well, if we did it on TV in this order, that's probably fine, right? Uh, people are still gonna then, pay uh, for it. What do we care? What was that? I said people are still gonna pay for it. What do we care? Right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, Disney Plus, that thing is becoming a real behemoth. I mean, the amount of MCU and Star Wars stuff they're dumping on there every year, it's like, how can anyone keep up with all that? And and then plus the, the movies that are coming out are, are the same kind of stuff. It's all like these minor side stories with these obscure characters. Uh-huh. And um, I don't know. I mean, think about these Star Wars side movies like Solo that didn't even do well and, and and that's Han Solo that's a big Star Wars character and yet still people didn't yeah. see it even though it was a big summer blockbuster hey I, I saw it and I liked that film well so did I I don't know why it bombed but uh, yeah. I thought it was probably one of the better you know movies that came out since Disney got Star Wars but, right. but uh, I, I don't know I mean maybe it was too soon after The Last Jedi there's still a bad taste in people's mouth because only six months later and a lot of people were boycotting over that movie I think that, was... and, it, and it was working well putting them out in Christmas the last three years before that. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, it was smarter than to shift back to Christmas for um, the Rise of Skywalker, which was kind of like the last big movie before uh, COVID hit, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, was there anything else I wanted to say on Bond? I just kind of wanted to rant about the whole like killing him off and the name change, and that was really my big pet peeve about this and where where Bond's going to head next. Because I could just might as well just keep my whole Blu-ray collection and just watch those films and just that and like this new one and whatever they do next. If it doesn't interest interest me, then I just won't even bother supporting it. So I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I mean, yeah. what what I foresee is a, a a few years where there is not one of these movies. 
Because um, if you think about the transition periods, there were there were a few years between uh, Roger Moore movies and the Dalton movies, and then a few years between the Dalton movies and the Bronson movies. It was like five um, or six years, years between the the Dalton and the Bronson, uh, between License to Kill and Goldeneye. Yes. Yeah, and I think it was probably four years between Roger Moore and Dalton as well. So th- so there was a period where you know there were. Probably between like '83 and '93 or so, all that came out were those two Dalton movies, and um, yeah, well, or maybe a little bit. View, a View to a Kill was the last one Roger did, and that was '85. And I want right. to say that um, Living Daylights was '87, and okay, so and, uh, and then a, a License to Kill was '89. Right, and then it's ninety five for the other for Goldeneye, yeah. But they didn't start production until probably ninety three, late ninety three, I think. Okay, yeah. So yeah, I think it'll be a few years like that, and um, they're just gonna do like some thorough market research, and and hopefully they don't screw up too badly. I mean, they they generally have been pretty good. I mean, uh-huh. I think even the movies that people don't like. Uh, like you know, the man with the golden gun, or live and let die, or uh, uh, what's that one with the space laser? Oh, uh, Moonraker. Moonraker, yes. Even those movies I find very entertaining. These mm-hmm. villains like Jaws in there with the metal mouth mm-hmm. and Bond riding this inflatable raft in the middle of Venice, and all these outlandish scenes with the sheriff and the car chase and the uh, <laughs> in those. Uh, those other two Roger Moore movies. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, like the, the, the sheriff was. Girl. Yeah, the sheriff was in um um, Live and Let No, yeah, Live and Let Die, and then also in uh, Man with a Golden Gun, as yes. a comic relief guy. Yeah, and he's he's like on vacation in uh, these various locations. Yeah, and he, he sees Bond like speeding or something. And he's like. Gosh darn it, we gotta catch that outlaw. And then he just starts <laughs> speeding after him. You're that British spy guy that you stopped me dead in my tracks in Louisiana in my territory. Are we after this guy, Bone? We're gonna get him. We're gonna, we get, we're gonna get him. Get him. <laughs> You're dead. Now, if they made, now, if they made those movies, even that character would be black. I mean, oh. have you seen the. New Squidbillies, they recast early as a black guy. <laughs> that's what I heard. Yeah, I'm like. Wait, that's messed up. I'm like, early Colin was like a racist squid without really saying he's racist. And then he wanted him to be a black dude. I'm like, that, 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 that don't, like, you could have just had like Larry the Cable Guy voiced him. That would have been like acceptable. That man needs work. Wow, that's a name I haven't heard in a while. Yeah, that's That's why I said that man needs work. Or Jeff Foxworthy, or they Jeff Foxworthy's number. doing fine. It's and like Lou Engvall is boring. Um, actually, he's a pretty good comedian. Um, Ron Wyatt is, you know, you don't want to touch that. But like Larry the Cable Guy, he seemed to be like out of that redneck bunch. He seemed to be the other popular one that people liked. Yeah, that's a very two thousands era. He was popular. Everyone was saying "Get her done" back then in Texas. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it was. That hats for it, like a Walmart, and it was a trademark thing for a while. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> but uh, it, it adds a new component to the uh, early episodes because I was watching um, season one on HBO Max, 
And there's an episode where Early has a an anti-white clan rally, and uh, he's he's they've got the cross burning, they've got the hoods and everything, and then they just go out there with the other squids, and they all talk about how much they hate white people. And then the sheriff goes up and tries to talk him down, and he's like, "You know, Early, I'm your friend, and I'm white too." And then Early's like, "Well, I just don't like white people." <laughs> no, having that be a black character adds a new dimension to that. Gosh, I figured they should have just canceled the show. I guess they had like another season lined up, and then we had to get somebody to voice him and let yeah, it be just a black guy to finish it off. They'd already done the scripts, so then they were like looking for somebody yeah. to, to replace the original guy because he made a comment that is like indistinguishable from what. Early would say on the show. Yeah, no, that, that, that's just with her, that's just unknown. Don't with her big old titties to tell me about Black Lives Matter. I don't want to hear about all that from my Don Cornerstone. I just want to look at her bell boobs. Yeah, <laughs> that was the, the Dolly Parton rant. I, yeah, I mean, no, I totally see his point, but like, yeah, I, I, he just didn't. He doesn't. He doesn't care. And yeah, I read that out like in a, an episode like a year ago, or like I was reading out like his Facebook rants, and we have like <laughs> images of that posted on our website, so you guys can go back and check those archives out. Yeah, we did do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't was, know where that, that guy's at now. But... Written scripts, and then they had to finish it, so they 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 thought they'd make reparations to the black community for. Uh offensive Facebook post aimed at Dolly Parton oh and so they gosh. had to bring in Tracy Morgan. Oh it's totally gosh. ridiculous. But it's a total DeMarco thing to do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't really care about the show anyways. I just kind of like, I mean, I've seen like enough of the show to know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's kind of like all you need to know there. But I don't know. Maybe maybe someone would like like unknown Henson and like, hey, we're gonna show for us. You know, I know you need the money. Well, all right then. Yeah, that would be funny. I mean, if he got like uncanceled the way that Ben Shapiro tried to like save the career of Gina Carano after she got canceled. Oh yeah. If like Ben Shapiro made like a new like cartoon where it's like uh, Squidbillies, but they're like uh, in Israel or something. They're like settlers or something. And then, like, there's, like, Palestinians, like, shooting rockets at Early. Oh, and Early's gosh. got, like, his own, like, Iron Dome set up around his, uh, his settlement. And then he's, <laughs> he's got Jewish a... <laughs> And he has to save everybody with his giant pickup trucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God, what a stupid show. <laughs> I can't believe that show lasted 15 years. <laughs> Yeah, really. That's like the longest lasting show on Adult Swim other than maybe Robot Chicken. Or Aqua Teen. Well, Aqua Teen got cancelled, so it's really Oh, than that's true. But Aqua Teen lasted, what, more than 10 years, right? Yeah, I, I think it, it lasted maybe 14, 15 years. But I yeah. think Squidbillies lasted a little bit longer. I gotcha. But, uh, it is ending, though. I mean, this is the last season. And, and, and when that ends, I mean... They pretty much air Fox shows, then Aqua Teen, then Squidbillies, then Robot Chicken mm-hmm. every night, and have done so for about 
you know, 10 to 12 years since they removed anime from uh, weeknights. Oh, 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 this is like the third decade that we're in that they've done it the same way since like the late 2000s or whatever. So you yeah. count that decade, the last one, and then the current one we're in now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, after they, I think the last ones that they aired on weeknights for anime... And I don't mean at 5 a.m. We're like Bleach and Blood Plus, and I think that was like 2008 or 2007 or uh-huh. something. And um, after that, they would only air them in the graveyard slots, yeah. and then eventually on Tsunami. But um, but yeah, I mean, what are they going to do now? Because they lost Family Guy. Yeah. And they're going to lose Bob's Burgers before long too. I mean, they must be hurting that they had to do these split screens with more advertisements during the credits on American Dad and Bob's Burgers. Oh. I think they're, they're they're and they're speeding up the shows and the intros and stuff. Uh-huh. So I think they're doing really badly in ratings, and you know what? It's like they're going to have just American Dad. They already are at two two hours a night, uh, from like uh, nine to eleven, uh-huh. and then I think another two hours from like three to five. So what what are they going to do instead of four hours a night of it, like six hours a night once they once they don't have new episodes of uh, Squidbillies there anymore? It's just like that, that they got Rick and Morty, I guess. That's their other cash cow. Yeah, and they so, try to make Tuca and Birdie a thing, but it does much worse than Rick and Morty in ratings. Ooh. I mean, that show did get canceled from Netflix, and so then they picked it up for season two for um, on Adult Swim. Hey, I haven't watched any of it, but the ads were obnoxious. I'm not going to watch it. Same um, with Teenage Mutant Ninja. They're advertising that heavily. It looks terrible. Oh, yeah, that looks bad, too. Hey, so when when are they doing the whole uh, Blade Runner night? Is that – that's not ne- this Saturday. It's next Saturday, right? Uh, no. Uh, well, they're airing um, – this Saturday, they're airing uh, the start of Black Lotus. Um, or is, is that the name of the new series? Yes. Okay. Yeah, they're airing that uh, a whole hour from um, midnight to one. Okay. And then um, the week after that, they're airing episode three, and then they, they're they doubling up on Yashihime. And then the week after that, on Friday night, uh, they're going to do a Blade Runner marathon where they're going to air one of the shorts that came out with uh, 2049. Uh-huh. And then they're going to air 2049. And then they're going to air the first three episodes of Black Lotus after that. And uh, that'll be the first time Toonami's aired on a Friday night in a long time, since 2004. Yeah. Um, I'm probably, I mean, I've definitely wanted to record that night. Um, but then also the fact that I am going to record uh, Black Lotus this Saturday, and I'll just try to watch it Sunday. And that'll be probably the first thing I've recorded off Toonami willingly in, in two years, three years. Since yeah, Dragon Ball Super just, ended, just put off the Blade Runner show and say like I'm going to check it out on MySplain later and never do it. Like it's it's definitely something to actually watch. We could, we could do a review on it. When it's yeah, yeah. I, well, I I I think I'm gonna you know just record it and I mean I can always get the rips off MySplain because someone's going to have it on there, of course. Um, but it's probably better to watch it on the TV anyway. Yeah. But it, it, I, I think it'll probably be good. I mean, they aired a um, preview thing uh, last week where, or maybe it was a week before, um, where they had uh, like an interview with uh, the, the creators of, the, of this new show, and one of them was, I noticed, Shinji Aramaki. Okay. Hey, he's actually going to be at Anime NYC, not this weekend, but next weekend. 
So with uh, Manox01, with a Kickstarter through Anime Ego that I've done some work with, um, he's got his own like remastered or revised version of Maddox that he's going to be showing at that con. And oh. that should be, or I, yeah, I believe it's going to be on the Blu-ray set coming out. So for anybody who backed up that Kickstarter, then you should be able to see that. And so that would be pretty amazing. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to the, whenever we get that. Uh, I think we're like a few months out from the release of Maddox coming out uh, for people who backed it on Kickstarter. And that's like one of Aramaki's like first directorial roles as a director. So that would be interesting to see that. Um, I we I, I think we're well done with Bond because we kept talking about other stuff. But uh, what do we have for closing remarks? The only thing I wanted to talk about was the Rittenhauer case. Okay, first of all, I'll just bring up a recent death of this individual whose real name I do not recall, but um, his username on something awful was Lotax, and he founded this website. Uh, oh yeah, twenty years ago. Yeah, he's just killed himself. He killed himself? Yeah. Oh. Wait. Apparently the deal was he had a bad divorce and then he squandered all of the uh, uh, money that he was supposed to spend on child support and, um, you know, then he um, killed himself. Ooh. I mean, I just heard, yeah. I mean, I just heard that he died. I didn't know he killed himself. Is- you can get divorced and then a woman can put a claim on a large amount of your money and then you can't really do anything and then well, apparently the way this guy thought was only way out was death so yeah uh and he was at a low spot because he also sold the website trying to pay back these debts mm-hmm. um and then the new owners banned him from posting on his own form jeez oh, so uh, on his wikipedia page the night of his death it said uh, he was banned in March 2021, having nothing left. He ended his worthless life or something like that. <laughs> Just this harsh statement from some vandal. But, like, the moment someone dies, you know, someone's going to go on their Wikipedia page and shit all over their grave. Yeah, really? <laughs> I was like, this is the first place I have to go. I'm going to type on low tax. He doesn't have his own page, something awful page. Rest okay, in this is Oh, here it is. They've got a demeaning comment about the dead man. <laughs> Oh, man. But um, I never really used this website. It was something that was popular. Um, Early 2000s. 2000. Yeah. And uh, you, you can read about some of these bizarre uh, conflicts they had on the Wikipedia for something awful. They talk about their their conflict with trying to uh, raise money after their servers got ruined in Katrina um, and then PayPal blocking them. And uh, all these weird things that happened to them where they got put on some spam list and had to sue and all these things uh, over the years. But then it kind of levels off after, you know, the mid-2000s. And I'm sure there's still people who go on there, but it it really did get replaced by 4chan. as like the edgy internet uh, mm-hmm. board. And, and I was never a member because you have to pay $10 to join. I mean, how many websites are there what, like that? Only three members. Websites. Yeah, no I mean sense. they claim it's quality control. We won't have these junky users uh, joining if they have to pay. Uh, but my understanding is there were still a lot of low quality users on there, so I don't know how well that works. 
Um, I, I didn't know if you had any thoughts on the Rittenhauer case trial. I keep oh, always yeah, calling sure. it a case. Um, I definitely think that that the guy is going to get off one way or the other. I mean, what I'm thinking is going to happen is they're going to declare a mistrial because the uh, prosecution tried to submit some evidence that the uh, judge rejected. Uh, they were saying like, oh, Kyle's behavior before the trial uh, is indicative that he's a heartless killer or something. Look at how he, he didn't issue an apology. And the judge was like, this is bullshit. You can't submit this. <laughs> this is nothing. Yo. You're, you're going to get this trial uh, dismissed if you don't stop with this like emotional nonsense. Yeah, yeah. Th- that judge is, is that ju- judge kicks ass. I like that judge. So, like, what was it? I walked into like my. I walked into work after lunch, and my boss had it on the case on Fox News, and I go in there and they're having the whole like discussion and like with Rittenhouse about like bullets, and I don't know if you, if he caught any of that or seen a highlight of it, but they're basically like, oh, so you you admit that the bullet, because they're asking like, you know, did you chamber the bullets in the magazine? And he's like, well, no, I don't remember. Because, like, Rittenhouse is, like, completely... I, I can tell honest, like, offhand, he's completely honest. And, like, there's there's even shot scenes, scenes of him where he's trying to recount when he shot one of the guys. And he breaks down. Like, he, he knows, like, how like how much, like, you know, he, how, he knows the weight of what it was to take someone's life at 18 or 17. And yeah, you <laughs> reflect that. The media loved when he did that, just like they loved when Brett Kavanaugh cried. Because I've seen all these articles, MSNBC, Tom, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse crying is everything that's wrong with America. It proves he doesn't have the temperament to be out there holding okay. a weapon, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so... Actually, he has tried to ruin his life and get him thrown in jail for defending himself and his community from violent rioters. Yeah. They, they, anyways, but I'm going to get... I'll get to that in just a minute, but... Yeah, so then they're like, oh, so, like... First of all, the prosecutor is is a, is a dumbass because he's thinking like he's trying, they're having this whole discussion on like different type of bullets and Rittenhouse is like I don't even know what those are. I just I just was told to get the gun and show up at this place. And they're like, oh, hollow points are basically explosive bullets. They explode. And then the judge has to correct him like, no, there's a difference between bullets that do have a point at the tip where you shoot and they explode, and hollow points expand on impact. Those are two different bullets. Shut up. <laughs> and, it's clear the prosecution knows nothing about guns. No, because they're trying to get him to admit that he's using like bullets that are way too dangerous to shoot other people with. That's They're just trying to use him and trying to get something out of him. Now, the golden part of this was the guy that he shot in the arm, and he testified, and he's up there and he's got Rittenhouse, Rittenhouse's, um, you know, prosecutor going after him. And he's like, oh, did you go and, you know, go after him? He's like, well, no, I, I didn't have my gun drawn on him. It wasn't pointed at him. And they bring up the photo evidence. And they're like, well, clearly I see you pointing a gun at his face. Therefore, he reacted in self-defense. And he goes, yeah, the gun was pointed at him. And because he admitted to that, basically that ends the case there. And so you have, like, Rikita Law just flipping out online. They're like, that's it. He's done. And then he got his he's, he's got his own uh, prosecutor just like face palming right there on live TV in front of millions of people knowing that they screwed up. So that took yeah. care of that. But then you've got the other two parts where they're yeah, going over the reaction. murders or not murders, but the shootings, the killings. 
the reaction is straight out of a Phoenix Wright video game. Just these exaggerated facial yes! expressions of the characters. But let when me... someone makes an argument that's just devastating. Yeah, and and this guy just knows his case is just completely falling apart. Yeah, and he's face palming. He's like, I've lost this case right now because my my guy that I brought up as a witness just completely backfired on me because he admitted that he pursued this guy uh, and then drew a weapon on him. And then Kyle was so restrained that all he did was shoot this guy's arm, which is what people will always attack the cops for not doing. You know, they'll always say, why did you have to shoot them in the chest? And, you know, there's all these reasons that are given, like uh, it's the center of gravity, it's where the most mass is. It's It's where the most mass is. It's the biggest target to stop somebody. Right. And you have to shoot someone dead if they're a threat to your life or they might you first. It's, it's better to Kyle, kill. It is better to kill them than to let them survive. Yes, better to kill than to be killed. But uh, Kyle was so restrained that all he did was shoot this person in the arm, and uh, and then this person goes up there and tries to make it out like uh, Kyle was the bad guy, but he, he gets so demolished by the cross examination yes. uh, that he's he's just. Uh, destroyed his own case and it's hilarious to see the, the so, prosecution's no, no. reaction. Let me tell you, you want me to tell you how the local media is handling this? Just that part? So, yeah. they did a summary like my local news out of the mountains uh, ABC um, I can't I can't stand local news now, but they, they seem to be the worst because they have like a 12 o'clock and a 12.30. 12.30 is where we like, we you know, during lunch I flip to and watch like the mountain news and Anyway, so they had the whole thing where they did like a recap sort of of like the case and they went over the guy who got shot in the arm. So we've already it's already been proven that he basically like the cross examination, like he, he admitted that the gun was pointed at Renton House and their their defense is, is kaput. And then in the next clip to follow that up, and it must have been recorded like before the case and this guy is making rent houses like as he described him like a little kid with with a with a with a live weapon that he shouldn't have or something. He makes him sound like Rittenhouse is so irresponsible, but this is the mother effer that decided to charge him with a pistol and pointed at him and got his arm shot off. And that pissed me off. Yes. And how guy... the media's gonna switch this around to make Rittenhouse look bad, even though all the evidence points to all the people he shot at as the ones that they were the ones starting the crap with them. And they got what this they deserved. Guy was, this guy was chased down by the mob. Yes. They got him on the ground and were bludgeoning him with a skateboard and then they drew a gun on him mm-hmm. and guns had already been fired at him earlier because this was the second altercation that he had with these people. Yeah. And it's uh, earlier in that same night, yeah, and uh, yeah, and there's just so much uh, evidence that Antifa were going after him. But the people in the media, they just are these simple-minded people who think, well, one group says they're anti-fascism and anti-racism, so they must be good people because Kyle Rittenhouse must be just like Hitler then, or they wouldn't have been going after him. Well, no, this guy was a lifeguard. This guy was there to put out fires yeah. and help people whose businesses were being destroyed help by the community out, violent yeah. criminals who were being allowed to run rampant by the local government, which was run by fucking Democrats that refused to call in the National Guard despite Trump offering over and over, I can come help you guys. It had took Rittenhouse shooting these people for the, the governor to realize that there was a fucking disaster in his state 
that he had allowed to go on for months. Yep. And uh, and then only then did he finally cave and call Donald Trump. And within a couple nights, it was all over. There was no more rioting or burning because he finally got the balls to call in the National Guard. But he couldn't take the bad press of people getting shot in the streets. Yeah. But uh, what Kyle did there was he saved that state from extra months of violent rioting. He saved many innocent businesses from being burned alive. We know people were burned alive in the tire stores mm -hmm. during the months of rioting. We know cops were shot like David Dorn. This stuff happened, mm -hmm. and the fucking liberal media was all in favor of it, treating it like mm -hmm. these protests for justice. I mean, if you're against it, you're for inequality, and uh, they're fucking sanctimonious little narratives, mm -hmm. and they just had to portray Kyle Rittenhouse as the latest Hitler. Mm -hmm. It was all total bullshit, just like every other time they've done this. Yeah, uh, it, it, he's going to get off just like Zimmerman got off. Yeah, and just like the cop who shot Michael Brown got off, mm -hmm. because it's going to turn out. Their cute little narrative is bullshit, and once you actually put it up to a, a an actual prosecutor and a, defend, a defense lawyer going head on head, the truth wills out, the people in the jury see this was all a bunch of hyped up emotional nonsense, mm -hmm. and he is going to get off on almost certain of it. And that was, that was sort of the – so I have these great discussions with people in gun stores because I went to one to get some ammunition today, and um, – I kind of talked it over to one place because I went to go get a haircut in this next town over and I got, cause I got a guy that cuts my hair and it's next to a gun shop down the road. So, um, you know, I go in there and just kind of browsing to see what they have. And so we were talking about the case a little bit. And, uh, I mean, one guy put it as like, you know, the only thing they could probably charge him for would be like negligible use of a firearm in the city or something. But then the charge, his punishment would be like, Maybe at best, hopefully, like two or three hundred hours of community service or something stupid, which is a slap on the wrist. So at least they can say they got him with something, but he's not going to prison. And even we're just like, you know, like a year ago, like I remember like at the, C at the CWP class I took, I was like, we were discussing it with the guy and he's like, yeah, we like there's video evidence of Rittenhouse like not starting stuff with people, but he's running and they're chasing after him and he's defending himself. And it's like any any you know jury with a right mind is gonna go with him and side with him, saying that he's defending himself. The people that he shot and killed were the ones that were the you know agitators on this. They were the ones starting stuff. And um, <laughs> I think one guy we were talking like at the gun store, and, and I don't like this guy anyways. But um, I just remember like we were just talking. I was looking at like you know the guns behind the case. And he's just like, you know, if, you know, like the guy he shot, if he came in this, you know, if that same guy came in the store, you know, I'd pull out my gun and shoot him. And he literally pulled his gun out of his pants and like aimed it at the door. Like, I don't know why he did it. Nobody was coming in. And I just hear him, like, I just hear the gun pulling out of the pants and I kind of look up and I see him like aiming the gun at the door, which wasn't in my direction. And I'm like, you didn't have to put on a show to how upset you are. Um... You guys are out of stuff. I'll see you later. And I just kind of left. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure this guy thinks he's a real, like, a cowboy. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's annoying. I can't stand him. I'm just like, I'm like, why, did, why are you pulling your gun? I know you work at a gun store and you guys don't give a shit usually, but, like, I didn't say anything. I kind of thought about it afterwards. And I was like, good thing I wasn't, the gun wasn't pointed at me. I don't think he was going to point it at me. But it was the fact that he, like, aimed it at the door or something and, and luckily I wasn't in that 
line of sight. I don't know. I, I just didn't get why he did that, but he's a really, really weird guy and I can't stand him. So, <laughs> But I mean, I went to other places and like, I I talked to one guy that's close by here and he's just like, I just, he's like, yeah, I, you know, just now kept up with it. So we're talking a little bit about it and getting our views and yeah, it's, yeah. And I mentioned the whole, and I mentioned the whole thing about how the media is portraying Rittenhouse where they, they want to be in defense of the guy that they got shot in the arm for, because he deserved it because he was chasing him down the street. And there's evidence showing that he wasn't innocent. And then they're trying to make him look like, you know, giving his, some stupid testimony that Rittenhouse is the irresponsible one. I was like, you know, give me a freaking break. And then he had the guy that, like, one of the guys he killed that was the bald-headed dude that was fighting with other people earlier. And he just got out of the psych ward that day. And he dies. Because he's chasing Rittenhouse. <laughs> uh, from what I recall... Um... At least two out of the three people were pedophiles or something like that. Uh, that yeah, didn't it come out later? They, yeah. Yeah, oh. they, they were like people who were severely mentally ill pedophiles who who had been in a psych ward, who were members of Antifa, mm. who were there to burn down stores and were supposed to be like mortified that these people are dead. I yeah. mean, good riddance. These people were violent criminals who were trying to kill Rittenhouse. And he acted in self-defense. There's, there's just... Yeah. I mean, once you see the video evidence, I mean, I saw a breakdown of the video evidence the, the day after uh, where somebody had put little uh, arrows and captions of all these different uh, things that were sh- being shown on the screen mm-hmm. from both the first and second altercations uh, where they were people throwing uh, allegedly a Molotov cocktail at him. Mm-hmm. There were the sounds of gunfire. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were all these different things going on that led up to him doing this. Mm-hmm. And it was just obvious from that point on that this was not going to go the way they wanted. And it's the same way with the Ahmed Arbery case. I mean, that case, I could tell from early on, you know exactly why that was not brought to court initially until there was a uh, social media outrage mob. And it's because, A, the guy who shot Ahmed Arbery was a former law enforcement officer. He probably knew everyone on the force. B, he previously had encounters as a law enforcement officer with Arbery when Arbery tried to bring a loaded gun to a high school prom to shoot people. Mm-hmm. And C, he previously arrested him when he was stealing a, a, a TV. So he, he knew this guy. He knew his character. He knew that when the guy went into the house... He was not just checking out a house that was under construction because he was really interested in becoming an architect. That was the liberal media's interpretation of this. Oh, this no. is this is regarding the three guys in Georgia that killed the black dude, right? Yes. Oh, no. okay. That, that's that's right. And uh, but no, it was not that he was just jogging and checking out a house that was under construction. Uh, no, we seen home video captures from people in the neighborhood. Uh, of this specific individual in their houses stealing stuff at night. We know that this guy was was well known and that he was there to steal the building materials for the house. Right. And that uh, the only reason he ended up dying was because when they attempted to do a citizen's arrest on the guys, they had every right to do as ex-police officers who were trained mm-hmm. in this sort of thing right. in cooperation with the local law enforcement who they were on the phone with. Uh Ahmed Arbery decided, I'm going to resist arrest. I'm going to grab your gun 
and try to get it from you and shoot you. Well, when you do that, there's a chance the gun might go off and you might get shot, and that's what happened. And so we've had this whole national crisis over this, but what's going to happen is that these, these, these guys are going to get off on it, and it's not going to be... Um, you, you know, it's not going to be what they wanted to happen. Mm-hmm. And then there's going to be rioting, unfortunately, probably. Well, and that might have enough for gets off, too. As one of the guys said at the gun store regarding the rent house thing, he's like, I can't believe this is awful for me to say this, but thank God the people he shot were white. Uh, and that, that's that's terrible to say. That, like, you know, like, oh, you know, if a white person shoots another white person, good thing the other person that they were shooting at were white. But Black Lives Matter wants to defend them because they're fighting for Black Lives. I, I, no, I, yeah, you don't. I don't buy that for a sec. Right, that's true. That this probably would it would be more likely to have rioting if he had actually shot blacks. Mm-hmm. But because he's in like a certain part of the Upper Midwest, I think he's in like Wisconsin or something. Oh yeah, this was in Wisconsin when that happened. Yeah, he probably is in an area which has like somewhat of a lower black population than Chicago or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, my understanding is he did cross state lines from Illinois, which is part of the controversy, but it's it's a very small drive that he did. It's maybe 20 miles or something. I mean, Well, the fact that he was operating a firearm underage, you know, is the other thing that, that like, you know, but yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, if it's a slap on a wrist for like, you know, a month or 100, 100 hours of community service, then he did all right. I think that they've already charged him with something much much worse than that, okay. and that, that, that we're, and that obviously he pleaded not guilty, and and it's too late to do a some sort of a plea deal. Yeah. So he, it, it's not going to be anything like that. The judge is clearly not sympathetic to the prosecutor, mm-hmm. and the prosecutor knows he's lost the case already. You can mm-hmm. see it on his face. Uh, it's 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 just a matter of time before he is declared innocent, or they just decide it's a mm-hmm. a mistrial with prejudice, so that they can't bring it up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, something is going to happen that's not going to be the thing that the uh, media wants to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, you know, it, it it it'll it'll be soon. People will see. By the time this episode comes out, we will have been vindicated in our commentary. Yeah, we'll we'll see if we're right. <laughs> I mean, we could just yeah. bundle this with a Thanksgiving episode. I don't know, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. But when this comes out, um, we should get an answer on the whole Rittenhouse thing, and we'll figure out if we are, our predictions are correct. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm basing this mainly on all these other cases, like uh, the Jacob Blake case. Um, in that case, the police officers did not um, get convicted. Um they shot this guy, and it was portrayed as being somebody who was trying to get into a car to, to, to get away from them. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out he got into the car to grab for a knife that he had in there uh, so that he could continue to violently resist arrest, as he had been doing, mm-hmm. and hopefully this time cut someone's throat. Uh, so that, that did not end up with the police officers being um, convicted, mm-hmm. uh, even though that was, uh, you know, what I think was the cause of the initial rioting that um, Rittenhouse uh, put a stop to. Because um, I, I believe that was the Kenosha, Wisconsin shooting. Uh, um, so, and, and he, uh, you know, he, he had been out there mainly originally to put out fires. He had a jug of water. He was a lifeguard. Um, uh, the, the idea that he went across state lines with these 
especially lethal bullets, uh, and this especially lethal gun mm-hmm. in order to kill people. It's uh, there's really no evidence for that. I mean, people tried to pour over his Facebook and say, like, look, he had this um, blue uh, lives matter uh, bumper sticker type thing around his profile picture. And uh, he had the thin blue line. This is a little uh, heading on Facebook and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, guess what? I mean, I I live in the reddest district of Arizona. Paul Gosar got elected 70%. Uh, My neighborhood has many ethnic minorities, but there are thin blue line flags on a lot of cars. That is not some far right-wing fringe thing. A lot of people uh, support that, and it's not... It's not proof that he's some extremist. It's just proof that these people have never been outside of the inner city or outside of New York or or New England or wherever they live to experience how the other half of the country thinks. I mean, half the country thinks this guy is a hero. He's not some extremist. Mm -hmm. He's somebody who a lot of people think played a big role in establishing the fact that there are consequences. You're going to try to burn down cities, assault people, and engage in relentless criminality as happened last summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, immediately there was a song, The Bi- the Ballad of Kyle Rittenhouse. I remember seeing it on Kiwi Farms the next day. Yeah, 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 like yeah. A, the Kenosha It was like kid. a John Wayne type song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, we, I, think uh, I might have used it for show notes. I don't know. But I remember, I thought I linked it somewhere. Yes, probably. Kenosha Kid. And, and, and that was like... That was immediate. Like, he immediately became a folk hero with a folk song written about him. Because he was the only one I can think of last summer that went up there and put his life on the line and directly fought back against the mobs that were destroying the country over the summer. I mean, I can't name anyone else who did anything as heroic as what he did. Yeah. Okay, I think that's our our last comment for the night, or do you have anything else? No, that'll be it. Um... I hate to say this. Is there any new Christianity? Uh, didn't we we didn't we come across more Christian stuff after the last recording? The letters. I, I believe this is true, but it was it was very long, wasn't it? Yeah, I just like man, it's ten o'clock, man. Like, yeah, I'm not really in the mood. I'll try to remember and summarize the latest Christian news. Um, they have discovered the individual who was responsible for the Islam prison saga, and they've put a big uh, expose on him on the Christian forum. And uh, this person is a real piece of work. I'll say that much. Oh yeah. Um, they are a uh, <laughs> Iranian uh, descendant of Iranian immigrants who fled when the Shah was deposed by the Ayatollah in the late 1970s. So these are secular Iranians who were not believers in Sharia law or anything. Right. And um, so they tried to bring him up in a sort of modern Western manner. And um, I, I, I guess he he kind of like really bought in on Western liberalism and became a, a transgender activist around age 18 and or maybe even in high school. And um, he was... Uh, <laughs> he was like uh, dressing up as a woman and uh, having sex with men on college campus and all kinds of stuff and then after a year or two he started to feel like this sort of conflict between 
uh, you know, I guess his Islamic roots coming back out mm-hmm. and his uh, his new identity. Mm-hmm. So he, he foregoes being a transgender. He stops taking the hormones and putting on the lipstick and all that. And now he, he reinvents himself as a uh, devout, uh, proselytizing Muslim of the Sunni variety. His parents obviously are Shiites being from Iran. Oh uh, so he decides, well, what's the most extreme thing I can do to rebel against my parents? Uh, they, they didn't react enough to me becoming transgender. Now I'm going to be like their mortal enemies from this uh, thousands of years dispute over the succession of the Prophet Muhammad. And uh, <laughs> and so now I'm going to be an extreme Muslim. And so he, <laughs> he, he starts working in fast food joints and uh, he gets real triggered about uh, and not even the issue of handling uh, meat. It's an issue of delivering pizzas that have meat on it to people, uh, not touching the pizza at all, just simply carrying a box, never coming in contact with pork. But he still claims, oh, this is so halal for me to be doing this. And he, he, he goes in the bathroom during his shift and starts spurging out on his little Twitter server or Discord server or whatever and uh, is, is like yelling at all his Muslim friends like, I can't do it anymore. They expect me to deliver to these unbelievers. And, uh, <laughs> and and then he just walks out on that job in the middle of his shift without notifying anyone oh and causing gosh. all this chaos at his workplace. Jeez. And, <laughs> and, and then he decides, well, the next thing I have to do is I have to, to convert another, another transgendered. I have to give them uh, the same meaning in my life that Islam has given me. Uh, I'm going to convert Christine Weston Chandler oh, to Islam no. by sending them letters in jail. And uh, I'm going to send them an Islamic prayer mat so that they can uh, face Mecca and pray five times a day. And then Chris responds with this with this letter saying, 40% of Muslims are terrible people who sin and all this stuff. <laughs> and uh, let's just say it was not a successful effort. <laughs> Because Chris believes in himself as a deity a lot more than he believes in Allah. Oh my gosh! Because there's yeah. Allah, some sort of subsidiary deity beneath him. Yeah, uh, but it's it's pretty hilarious. They found all this info about him and how he was almost a high school shooter, and all, you know so much uh, dirt that they've dug up on this guy. Um, there's there's a lot that I haven't even gotten into and I won't get into, but it's just like every time you think that. Like Chris can't get fucked with anymore. Like, <laughs> like, last couple episodes, I was like, Chris is finally in jail. He's finally free of the trolls' evil influence. Bella can't uh, torment him anymore and get him to zap himself with a taser and tell him to, <laughs> yeah, you know, mutilate himself and all this stuff. He can't zap to the no, extreme. There's still yes, there's still <laughs> fuck with him in prison. We still have these bizarre like. LOL cows that are almost as bad as Chris that slide into Chris's uh, DMs and you know this is just like a never ending saga like even prison is not going to protect them from these freakazoids just coming out of the woodworks and and venting their weird little schemes on Chris yeah I mean I can only imagine what the next letter he's going to get is I mean I I think he was conversing with that Kenneth Engelbert guy, who's one of his Facebook friends. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, there, there's probably going to be some nefarious character who comes along and decides that uh, 
I'm going to be the next Klein Cash. I'm going to be Liquid Chris, and I'm going to be really funny, and I'm going to go down in Christery. <laughs> like how Bella had that little line that they made into a... They made it into like an electronic song where she's like, I'm famous. You're seething. Oh, gosh. I'm a internet god. <laughs> and they just play that over and over. Oh, you want to wrap this up? Uh, yeah, I guess the final bit of Chris News I'll mention is that Bella supposedly has been suspended for two years, but um, from Texas Tech, right? Was, yeah, from Texas Tech. The source is that her bitter ex-girlfriend uh, Zoe, who also said, "Oh, there's a big anti-Bella uh, protest that we're going to be having on campus, and it's going to unite the communists and TPUSA." And everyone's going to be there and all united against this wicked woman. And it's like, no, this is literally your schizophrenic fantasy. No one else showed up at this so-called protest besides the Zoe girl. Did, yeah, they had so, it one like a while ago and nobody showed up except one person. That's right. Yeah, that was that was like at the start of the semester and, and no one showed up. Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, well, it must have been COVID. They wanted to socially distance. <laughs> <laughs> No, sweetie. No one else cares about your vendetta against your ex. Yeah. Move uh, so, on so, with your life. Not, but uh, <laughs> that's, that's just the rumor on Kiwi. <laughs> oh, all right. Oh, oh wait. I, I do remember one detail from the Chris Chan letter that I have to mention because it's just too good to pass off. All right, all He's, right. Revealed details from his, his time in 1389 where uh, this is where the dimensional merge originates. And it it originated when Merlin banished the dragons from our dimension at the behest of Chris, who was at that point in time King Arthur. Uh, (laughs) That that little detail is the prime jewel of that uh, that letter. (laughs) He's not just Jesus Christ, but he's also Merlin. And they're, they, they, like, something about pardoning dragons in 1319. I'm just like, oh my god. <laughs> Chris was like, I, I transported in time from 1389 with my mother, Emmanuel, in tow. And, oh my uh, gosh. We, we pulled the Excalibur out of the stone and we used it with Merlin to banish the dragons. And then the, the cartoon dimension was created. <laughs> And ever since, oh there's been a dimensional uh, vortex that's been created for 620 years, and now it's about to all uh, merge back together. It's like, how can this guy believe this? Yeah. <laughs> the time-traveling messiah. That they, must have had, they must have had a kid in King Arthur's court playing in, like, the rec room one day. <laughs> yeah, that movie where, like, the kid is, like... He's got a CD player and like shows a laser to to Merlin. He's like, "You're a wizard too." <laughs> You're a wizard, Christian. <laughs> what was it, that line for Harry Potter? "You're a wizard, Harry." You're a yes, wizard, Christian. <laughs> uh, I've had two beers in me tonight, so I'm 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 feeling pretty good. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it's just it's too funny not to not to bring up that little detail. Uh, I think the rest of the was the same old bullshit about uh, how people need to uh, like pay pilgrimage to his his house and give stuff to Barbara. It's called know. tithings, according to Malachi <laughs> three and four. 
I remember I already yeah. ranted about that like two podcasts ago. I just don't care now. So I, I'm not he mad. He that thing verse over and over. It's literally the only verse that he's mentioned. It's the like, only one that matters out of context. <laughs> yeah. He, he like flipped open the Bible to a random page and like read like two sentences and then he decided he was Jesus Christ oh, and then he just keeps invoking the same two sentences. Well, this is talking about owing people what they owe in terms of money. That's what happens to me. Wow, <laughs> the Bible's about me and I'm Jesus. <laughs> the Bible predicted the welfare state and it was all to support the Messiah on his uh, oh, boat. Yeah, gosh. Hey, it's all about that, Chris. <laughs> oh. I don't want to get into it. I'm not. <laughs> All right. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll call it quits for this episode. Thank God. All right. Yeah, I know. I, I'm so sorry we didn't get into a, a constant straight thing about James Bond, but we kind of said everything about James Bond plus all the other um, side banter fluff along the way, which is also very important too. So. Yeah. I think we did that with our last Bond movie where we just went all over the place. That's true. I, I guess yeah. one thing I should mention is when he was in, uh, he went to see that prison and then he meets his ex-girlfriend there. For the first well, yeah, that, and that was also Blowfield and that was like the plot device to kill Blowfield because like to get Bond angry and Bond, Blowfield ticked off Bond because he knew Bond had the nano machines in him to kill him to complete his task in eradicating all of Spectre. So Blofeld committed suicide, basically through Bond. Assisted suicide. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I was kind of wondering about that. Like, why did he? Why did he want to die? Uh, like, wasn't he in charge of Spectre? Why did he want to destroy Spectre? <sighs> that's that's kind of also the other thing that I I didn't really connect the whole thing. Like, why would he want to get rid of his organization? And then he had Severin come in, which I guess maybe that those two merged. I don't know. I'd have to yeah, watch the movie again. I mean, it didn't really make a lot of sense. Um, it was kind of just a snazzy movie, but like, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, like Safeman, I didn't really get him either. Like, he's trying to kill the girl, then he saves the girl. Yeah. He's trying to kill Spectre, but then he's like carrying out the same kind of like destroy the world, batshit crazy stuff that's, that yeah. Spectre would do. Yeah, like he's working with Blofeld, but then Blofeld wants himself dead, and like it, it, it's a bit like uh, it kind of reminds me of some of these movies like Winter Soldier and Civil War, where they they're like great action films, but then when you think about it, it's like, well, why did Tony Stark know about Steve's secret and all these weird little things that aren't really explained? And uh, yeah, you know, but. But but I mean, just in the way in terms of the way it's shot, I mean, it, it's a lot like those movies where it's like it's very action packed. It's it's a very satisfying, uh, fast paced movie, even though it's quite long, and mm-hmm. uh, you know it does have some emotional elements to it that aren't in other Bond movies, like Bond having a, a child, even though he slept with all those other women in the other movies. Supposedly, he never had another child, right? And so that's kind of a first, and uh, yeah. And it's like a good way to send it off, I guess, to say like, well, even though he's not going to be around to be a dad. Mind. Yeah. But. Okay. Well, I guess we'll call it quits here. That was like the last thing I had to think about for the movie. So. Yeah, get it all out. I mean, 
Yeah, if, if we don't, I mean, yeah, if you remember something else to talk about, we'll just save it for the next episode. <laughs> yeah, that's probably about it. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and end the recording. Thank you guys for listening, whoever made it this far. And uh, we'll see How you next time. How long is it? It's about two hours. We've been on this. We've been at this for about two hours. All right, sounds good. Bye. In the town of Old Kenosha, much some trouble broke one day. Hell hammers high above their heads and looking for a fray. No one dared to ask their business. No one dared to make a din. Save for one young man among them with an AR on his sleeve. AR on his sleeve. In this town there were some outlaws bound to teachings of the red. Many soy boys were among them as were trannies overfed. They were vicious, prone to violence, burning gas stations and more. And the leader rode a skateboard rolling swiftly on the floor. Swiftly on the floor. Now a young man started talking, made it plain to folks around. He was there to stop the mob from burning businesses to ground. Didn't look like much to tough guy except for one important thing. And the thing, of course, an AR writing taught me honestly. Godly honestly.